You're listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For other resources, more information about this sermon series, or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Thanks, Kirsten. You guys can take your seats, and I will pray for us as we get into God's Word today. Father, thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you for these words that we have just heard read. And we pray that as we dig into not only your commitment to us, but the commitments that you invite us to make today, would you speak to us? Would Holy Spirit, would you change us and transform us and move in this place today? Also move in the places where this is being watched, whether that's right now in this moment or later on. Uh, God, we just ask that you would be active, and we want to be receptive to that activity, and we pray it in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, amen, amen. Well, I'm, my name is Joel, in case I haven't gotten a chance to meet you, and I get to share God's word with you, and as Nick mentioned earlier on in the service, we're actually wrapping up our series on discipleship called Disciple Equipped Today, and we've said that the greatest invitation that anyone can ever receive is for Jesus to call us and say, come and follow me. And we believe that that should lead us to a place of actually wanting to, to learn what it means to follow him in our everyday lives, to not just be disciples of Jesus, but to also multiply disciples of Jesus. And so we've looked at different signposts along the way, as we've called them, these, uh, these, these images that we have here. And we looked at the first week was follow, that's represented in the cross, we looked at uh, love as uh, represented in the heart. We looked at believe, which was represented by the text. We looked at change, represented by the water droplet. And multiply, we looked at last week, represented by that crown. And all of these signposts on our journey are meant to lead us to greater and greater degrees of being with Jesus so we can become like Jesus, so that we can live like Jesus. And uh, this week, we're not covering a signpost, just like we didn't cover a signpost the first week of Disciple Equip. We looked at what it means to be a disciple that week, and that was sort of like an on-ramp into this time of really focusing and setting aside some time to just devote ourselves to learning what it means to be disciples who multiply disciples. Well, this week is kind of the off-ramp, if you will, <laughs> from that, and we're going to be focusing on commitment. And while we want to have these focused times of looking at discipleship and what it means, uh, the, what we know is that the actual context for everyday discipleship is in the local church. Most discipleship is not going to take place during a sermon series where we're really thinking about it, but it's going to happen in our everyday lives. And so this week is actually encouraged, uh, designed to encourage everyone into this ongoing pathway of discipleship through the local church, as members of a local church. And when I say as members of a local church, I really do mean any local, Jesus-loving, Bible-believing church, and I'll get into that in a bit later. See, this word disciple, as we looked at last week, it, it doesn't actually even appear after the book of Acts. Instead, what the New Testament writers seem to do is kind of replace 
the idea of discipleship with the idea of the church, meaning that the church is the context where discipleship takes place. And we as the church are called to not just do the work of discipleship as individuals, but as a community, as a disciple-making church. And so what I want to present you with today is that we literally cannot live the life of a disciple without committing ourselves to a local church where we can be known and know others, where we can use our time and our treasure and our talents to build up the body of Christ and where we can invite others who are outside of the church in so that they can know God and His people. See, today we're going to see that Jesus brought us into His family so we commit ourselves to Him, to His people, and His mission And we're going to look at that big idea in in four different ways, through four different questions. Here they are. How is God committed to his people? What is the church? Why do we have membership? And how do we express our commitment with one another? So we're going to begin with that first question. How is God committed to his people? In what ways is God committed to his people? And I want to start here because... Before we can talk about our commitments that we are called to make, we have to first remember where our commitments originate. Where does all this come from? We wouldn't even be here if God weren't already committed to his people. You know, we've talked a lot about how uh, Jesus is worthy of following. We've talked about how God loves us. We've talked about how he's revealed himself to us. We've talked about how he changes us and how he calls us into the world to multiply disciples. And all of those things are true and they're good, but none of it would mean anything if he were not some if he were not ultimately committed to us. If he were not committed to see all of that through to the end. You know, if we had to somehow convince God to keep up his commitment to us, that would make all of what I just said kind of null and void. And so the good news is we don't have to. We don't have to convince God. He is utterly, utterly committed to his people. He's committed to you. He's committed to me. He's committed to us. He's committed to all Christians, really, both past, present, and future, all the way into eternity. And he's committed not only to his people who are a part of of the church right now, but he's committed to his mission too. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. And so if you're not a Christian and you're with us, we're so glad because we want you to know Jesus is seeking you today. He wants to save you today. And so God is utterly committed to his people. Take a moment with me, if you would, just to meditate on his commitment to us. I just want to do a blast through a few different promises that we see in the scripture. The first one we actually looked at last week, Jesus said, I will be with you always, always, even to the end of the age. Jesus will be with us, church, by his spirit until he returns. That's what he's saying. Also in Romans chapter 8, we see that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. How about, what if, I, what if I fall into sin? Can that separate me from the love of God? No. Nothing 
can separate us from the love of God. God is utterly committed to us. What about uh, the next one? Philippians chapter 1. He who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. God is going to finish what he started in you, church. He will see it through to completion. Jesus also said, I will build my church. Jesus is committed to growing his church family. Lastly, the one I want to hit is in uh, Hebrews in chapter 13, and God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. God is utterly committed to his people, and friends, he wants us to reflect his image by reflecting his commitment back to him, to each other, and to the world. And the way that we do that is through the church. But what is the church anyway? You know, if you were to go on the street and ask five people that question, you'd probably get five different answers and maybe none of them would be right. And so before I actually answer this question properly, I want to dispel some false ideas of what we might tend to think that the church is, and then we'll get into what the Bible actually says the church is, okay? So first off, the church is not a club or a social hangout group, right? We, we might uh, socialize and we might hang out, but ultimately that's not the essence of what the church is. The church is also not a building, even though we can and do operate a facility and we're thankful for it. Uh, you may have even observed the, the fact that we try and correct this false idea that the church is a building, even in the way that we talk in our service. Like sometimes we'll say, hey church, right, when we welcome people. We're not talking to the building, right, when we say that. <laughs> we're talking to the people. Uh, and, and so uh, even when I'm texting someone, I'm saying I'm going to meet someone here in the building, I'll often say something like, meet me at the church building because I want to make sure that I'm not ever giving someone the impression that this space is the church. So it's wonderful that we have this resource of this building. We're very thankful for it, but it's not itself the church. The church is also not an event, even though we do have events. In fact, many churches actually kind of function in this way that events are driving what the church is about and what the church is doing. And, and while events are good, sometimes that can give the false impression that the church is simply an event. Also, the church is not a program. We, we can have programs, but ultimately that's not the church. Programs are ministries or kind of tools that the church can use to disciple people, and it's not wrong to utilize those things, but those things themselves are not the church. Here's a big one. The church is not a business. Amen? We... we we really need to remember this one in our day and age because as we come off of the heels of you know, the church growth movement for the last 30 to 40 years or so, many people have come to see the church as merely a business to be run. Life and ministry, they become strictly functional and the church actually ceases to see its true purpose in the process. All of a sudden, it becomes about keeping the business going rather than maintaining unity and health 
and growth, and it can really then distort the relationships inside of the church, if that's the case. And so the church is not a business, and yet at the same time, we do business, right? We, we have a budget, and we pay bills, as, as David even shared some of those details with you earlier. We have a staff and all of these sorts of things. In fact, we just had a financial accountability team meeting earlier this week. We make financial decisions. We do business, but the church is not a business. And lastly, the church is not an organization, even though we do organize ourselves. And, and this kind of ties closely to the last one, that the church is not a business. We, we have a website. We kind of sort of have a logo, although we've been not really using that very much these days. Uh, we have tools like Planning Center Online, and, and they help to keep us organized as a community. We have bylaws and articles of incorporation, but ultimately, we're not an organization. What I want you to take away from all those things that the church is not. The church is not what it does, and the church is not what it has. And we need to correct that because in a consumerist society, our minds are always trained to go in that direction. We are what we do. We are what we have. That's just how we think. But that's not how God thinks, and that's not what the church is. So what is a church? Well, the word church, the, the, the word that we translate as church that originated in Greek, it actually means assembly. It's an assembly of Jesus' followers, of disciples of Jesus, which means it's actually probably, probably a more fair question to ask, who is the church? And the Bible uses many metaphors for the church that can really help us to understand the answer to this question. Who is the church? I'm going to share with you a few of those metaphors. First one, uh, in the Old Testament, God referred to his people as his wife. And in the New Testament, that, that idea gets further developed in passages like Ephesians 5 and Revelation 21. And we are called then the bride of Christ. And that refers to God's commitment to us as his people. And you and I, just so you know, we're not married to him as individuals, in case some of you guys are like, this is weird. I don't, I don't want to be the bride of, of Jesus. <laughs> we're not married to him as individuals. We are married to him as a collective community of people. We're brought into a covenant with him that unites us to him. And you know, human marriage is actually designed by God to be a reflection of that union and covenant when a man and a woman come together. The Bible also calls us the family of God, or what's more commonly used, the term, the household of God, where God is our good and gracious and loving and perfect Father, and we are all adopted into His family as brothers and sisters. We'll look at that more later. We're also called the body of Christ, meaning that Jesus is our head, and we are a part of Him, and He leads us, and He guides us. And as His body, the Bible describes us as actually members of Him. And so I want to actually talk about that for just a moment. What do we think of when we think of being a member of something? Anybody a member of anything else besides a church? I bet you are. Maybe you're a member of a gym 
or uh, I have written down here Rotary Club. I don't even really know what a Rotary Club is, I'll be honest. <laughs> but maybe you're part of one, I don't know. Uh, maybe you're part of a soccer team, or you're an employee, so you're a member of a team at work. Maybe you're a member of Amazon Prime, or Costco, or something like that, right? And it's because we are, we're members of some of these other things that are different than the church that we also have to dispel some false ideas of what it means to be a member of a church. So let me do that here now. A church member is not a part of a club. We're not a part of a rotary club, even if I don't know what that is, right? We're not a part of a yacht club or whatever other kinds of clubs you might be a part of. A church member is not their contribution to the church, right? We, we talked about that just a moment ago. In this consumerist sort of society, we think that uh, who we are is just what we do. But being a church member is not merely the role that we play in the body. Uh, this is not like being, you know, on a soccer team. Like, I'm the goalie. That's who I am. No. Even though important, an important part of being a member of a church is contributing to the church, church member is not their contribution. Church member is also not someone with benefits or discounts, right? So most memberships that I have anyway are... are I have them because of what I can get out of it, right? I'm sure that's the same way with you. I guarantee you I would not be um, signed up for Amazon Prime if it was all about what I could contribute to Amazon as an organization, right? Can you imagine their, if their like, new marketing campaign was, make a better Amazon, join today, right? No one would join. Why? Because that's not what they're about. And so... Being a member of a church is very, very different from being a member of any of these other things. Let's look at this again with the body and the family analogies. Let's think about these things for a minute. Let's start with the body. Here's my body. Okay, we all got a body, right? We have many members, many parts with different functions. I've got my left hand, my right hand, my, my left foot. My right foot, do the hokey pokey, right? I, I got my big toe. Uh, I've got this body with different members. And to be a member of a body then is to actually be a part of one another. And a body is something that is united. It's one body, and yet it's also diverse. It has many parts. And, and so let's think about that for a second, that we're a body that is both unified and diverse. And see, we tend to think of unity as something that is just strictly uniformity. But when we look at a body, we go, well, that's not uniform. It's very diverse, and yet it is still one. And so as a church, we're diverse in all kinds of different ways. We're diverse in ethnicity and gender and cultural backgrounds and in age, right? We're diverse in our political views. We're diverse in, I don't know, what car we drive and, and what kind of phone we have. We're diverse in all sorts of different ways. We're diverse. The Bible talks a lot about the way that we're diverse in the gifts that we have and the ways in which we serve and the way that we contribute to the betterment of the church body. And yet we are also one. We are also unified. We're unified in that we worship one God and Father who is in all and through all, and, and we are under the, the banner of the Lordship of the Son of God, of Jesus Christ. 
And we are filled with the Spirit, and so we're united in that fact. We're united in that we have a common faith. We have a common baptism. So the church is united, and yet it is diverse. And, and the body that we're a part of then is both the local church but it's also the church universal in a much, much bigger sense, Christians past, present, and future from every nation on earth. And so think about the body for just another moment with me here. A body is deeply committed to itself, right? I have a friend who's a, physi- a physician's assistant, and he and I have talked a lot about this. He's taught me a lot about it over the years, and he t- t- taught me about how, you know, you could have an infection somewhere in your body that you're not even cognitively aware of, and that your body sends a signal from that place to where your white blood cells are, and your white blood cells go there immediately. Why? Well, one, because God's amazing, and that's how He's designed our bodies, but also because the body is deeply committed to promoting its own health. And so membership is similar. We want to be a part of a body that is committed to promoting its own health. And it's similar even when we talk about it again in the context of a family. Think about that again. Because families are deeply committed to themselves. And they're a part of, uh, or they, they're uh, comprised of many different members, right? We want a family to be committed to itself because that's, that's loving. And we know how horrible it is when a family is not committed to itself, when it's not loving. A family is best off when they have that deep, loving commitment toward one another. And so membership is similar. It's to be united to and a part of one another as a diverse people of God. We love that. It's beautiful. And so why then, if that's what membership is all about, why do we have church membership. That's our next question. And, and this is really my effort to kind of take what we've talked about so far and to begin to bring it home and to make it a little bit more tangible. And the answer to this question might seem obvious in light of all the other things that I just said, but there are plenty of churches that don't have formal church membership. Uh, in fact, over the course of 20 years of ministry that I've been doing, I've often had to go back to this and kind of reevaluate, is church membership uh, biblical? Is church membership actually helpful? Is it, is it necessary? And on top of all of that, there are plenty of people who are a part of a church who, you know, for example, attend on a Sunday or here today or in any church today, or maybe they participate in various ways. They're, uh, I don't know, they're contributing financially or they're serving in the church. There's some level of investment, but they aren't formally committed members. That may even be you. It may have never even occurred to you uh, to be a member. We, we may have never even brought it up, and maybe you've been around Trinity for a little while, and this is the first time that you've ever even heard about it. I would hope, as I talk about this today, that I would persuade you that church membership is both biblical, helpful, and necessary. And, and if you disagree, that's okay, but I would just invite you, let's talk about it. I would want to hear why you disagree with us. So, so let's discuss that later on. I'll be around. Other elders will be around. I'll bring that up again in a, in a few moments as well. So why do we have church membership? I'm going to give you three reasons. The first is 
because we see biblical precedent for it. So I'll give you an example. Uh, Paul is writing a letter to the church in Philippi, and as he does, he opens up that letter by addressing who his audience is. And he says here in Philippians 1.1, to all the saints who, in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons. So, so who is Paul addressing here? He's He's addressing the saints, first off, and, and some of us, we come from a background when we hear that word saints, we just think of, you know, someone on an icon with a very stoic face and, and some sort of a halo around their head, and that's not what the Bible means when it uses the word saints. Saints are really anyone who's a part of the church who's a committed follower of Jesus. And so when we read the word saints, we should just think members, they're just they're just members of the church. But then he's also addressing here the overseers, which are the elders. The elders are the highest human authority in the church, in the local church, and they oversee the teaching, the equipping, and the care for the family of God. But Paul also addresses the deacons who are the other office of leadership in the local church, and they lead through service. And so the church includes the saints, the overseers, and the deacons, or if you want to use the language I just used, the members, the elders, and the deacons. And so Paul, when he opens this letter, he's addressing everyone in the church of Philippi, and it includes those people. So he knows who he's talking to because he knows who that church is. And in many other places, there, there's similar kind of biblical precedent for this. There's clear identification of specific people who are a part of a local church. There's counting of groups of people so that they know who's there. There's the exact manner in which church membership has functioned since the beginning, uh, but, but since then over the 2,000 years in the history of the church has been, it's varied. It's not always been the same, but the common denominator has always been that committed people are identified and known. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, why do we have church membership? Because the elders need to know who they will give an account for. This is from Hebrews 13, 17. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, I'm not going to go into it in depth, but don't you think it's a little funny and maybe interesting that if your leaders do it with uh, groaning, that if your leaders are groaning, that it would be of no advantage to you? <laughs> I think that's kind of funny. But, but what I want to point out here, before we get into it, I want to just stop for a second and think about authority, because that's really what this is getting into. Starting to talk about authority, and authority... Uh, has a pretty bad rep in our culture, doesn't it? And in large part, that's because authority is something that is very easy to misuse. But we know that in, in many other situations, that just because something is misused, it does not necessarily make that thing bad, right? There are all kinds of examples I could give. And so authority in itself is not a bad thing, even if people misuse it or abuse it. And God, in His providence and in His grace, He's given the church 
authority structures. He's given leadership to the church in an effort to build up the church, to make the church healthy and so the church can thrive. And so within that, God has given leaders very specific requirements. He's given us uh, character qualifications. He's given us job descriptions. And then he's said here that he's going to hold us accountable. And so God in his grace has given us authority within the church. And it refers here specifically to, or not even specifically, it says leaders. Now this could mean a lot of different kinds of leaders, but in this case there's a good chance that it's referring specifically to overseers or, as I just mentioned, elders. They're the ones who we're being commanded to submit to as a part of the church. And even though I'm an elder, I'm being commanded the same exact thing. All of us, everybody, is, is in the same boat here. And elsewhere, even in fact, we're called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's Ephesians 5.21. And so the idea of submitting is not just something that people are called to do with their leaders, but it's something that all of us are called to do to one another. It's not isolated to leadership, and leaders are not excluded from being commanded to do these same exact things. Okay, And so these elders here are the ones who it says will, are keeping watch over our souls. And get this, here's, here's where it gets a little heavy, as those who will have to give an account. Now some of y'all, we were like, man, it seems like it'd be kind of fun to be an elder. And you read that part and you're like, nope, I don't want to have anything to do with it. As those who have to give an and account, and as your elders, Trinity, I want you to know that we feel called to this role and to this, this office, and, and, and we've taken that responsibility because we love you, because we want to love you and care for your soul and lead you well. But what each one of us as elders had to do prior to taking on this responsibility was reckoned with the fact that we will one day give an account to Jesus for how we did. And that is a heavy, heavy weight. And how that pertains to church membership then is that first, I want you to know we're accountable to you, we're accountable to each other as elders, and ultimately we're accountable to God for how well we lead. But secondly... As elders, we also have to know who it is who we're going to give an account for, right? If we don't know who the members are, who the church is, how, do, how are we going to shepherd well? How are we going to lead well? How are we going to fulfill our purpose if we don't know who the church is? We need those who are a part of the church, who are committed to the church to not just participate but also to, to step forward, raise their hand, and identify themselves and say, yes, I am a part of this church. You know, right now, the church nationally in America, it's struggling. As Pastor David mentioned earlier, uh, post-COVID, most churches have a committed core of about one-third of the people that they had before COVID. And then there's one-third of the people that are a part of the church that are new, and then about one-third of the people that they had formerly have just kind of gone MIA. They have no idea where those people have gone. 
And Trinity, I don't know if, if it slices the exact same way, but we're no exception. There's, some of these divisions could be made here as well. And there are people who, in light of all of that, they're following us online, and they're doing it every week. Like they're, they're you know, joining us for our service online every single week, but we have no way of knowing who those people are. We, we can't connect with them. We can go look at you know, YouTube analytics, but that's not going to tell us who those people are specifically, right? And, and we've also had new people who have come since COVID, and they're still kind of evaluating, is this where I want to commit myself? Glad you're here. Welcome. Uh, there are also some people who were a part of the body, but we just haven't seen. And so we've reached out to them, and we said, hey, how's it going? Where are you at? What's happening? And, and in a lot of those cases, a lot of folks who are still following us online are doing so from home, and they're doing it consistently. They just haven't said, hey, I'm still here, guys. Don't forget about me. <laughs> and so what I want you to hear, no matter where you're at on that spectrum or, or elsewhere, we love you, and no matter where you're at, we want to know you. We want to disciple you. We want you to participate in the life of this church family. And so if you haven't voiced, uh, you know, made, made yourself known, please reach out to us. And I'm saying that especially for y'all who are online. Please reach out to us. We want to know you. Number three, why do we have church membership? So the church can know and support one another. Romans 12, 4 through 5 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. That's that unity and diversity aspect. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. So remember, we looked at this as a body, we looked at this as a family, and we said, being a body, can you imagine then, uh, can you go back to that Romans passage for just a second? Uh, nope, where you just were, sorry, cat. the one right before, there we go. Um, uh, can you imagine being a part of a body? Can you imagine thinking about your own body? Can you imagine if you had a limb that wasn't working? Perhaps this has happened to you at some point. Wouldn't you like to know about that? Wouldn't you, wanna, wouldn't you want that limb to send a signal to the rest of your body that something is wrong? In fact, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, it tells us that when one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. That as a church family and as a church body, we want to know uh, who the people are so that we can serve, so we can step up to support one another. Can you imagine in another scenario, maybe, the, maybe that, that uh, part of the body is doing okay, but you don't even know that it exists. Can you imagine having another limb or something like that that you didn't even know was there? Can you imagine having another big toe? You'd like to know about that, wouldn't you? Likewise with a family, right? Can you imagine having siblings that you didn't even know existed? Can you imagine uh, trying to love them well if you didn't even know that they were there? It would be impossible, right? And, and more than that, there are over 100 one another commands, as we call them, in Scripture, in the New Testament. One another commands, things that we could not possibly do as a church if we didn't know who the one another was. 
we wouldn't be able to fulfill our calling as Christians and as the church unless we have this relationship with one another and we were committed to one another. And so the point is we can't be the church together unless we know who the church is. You know, in Western Christianity, we tend to think of things in very individualistic terms. We, we read those uh, promises that God gives to us earlier in this message And we can tend to hear those things very much as, well, God is committed to me. And that's absolutely true. Those promises all apply to you as an individual. But ultimately, they're never just for individuals. See, God's family doesn't only have the joy of getting to be in relationship with Him. We also get the joy of being in relationship with one another, and we get to also do that together for the good of the world. And so we're not simply brought into a relationship with God one-on-one. We get that benefit. But without the church, we're missing the whole point. Our commitment must not only be to Him, but also to His people who we are sent with then on God's mission. God's family, it's never done growing. There, there are people who he wants to be a part of it who aren't here yet. God wants them to know him. And so what I want you to hear today is that membership is discipleship. It's the best way for Christians to kind of stay on that discipleship path. That best way for, for us to do this ongoing journey is to do it together. And, and I really mean that I, I really mean that in the context of whether that's a Trinity or it's at some other local church. As elders today, we want to encourage you to be a part of a church. And of course, since you're here, I'll say, I want you to be a part of Trinity. We want you to be committed uh, to participating as a member of our church. And we're inviting everyone today to renew our membership commitments together. Some of you guys have done that before in the past. Some of you have come Since then, some of you, this is the first time you've ever even heard about this. No matter where you're at, we want to invite you to make these commitments together. And so we're going to have them available online. Uh, If you go to the page here listed, trinitywscom backslash disciple hyphen equip, and you go scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page, you can look at those member commitments. And we also have physical copies, which we have available on there in the foyer. And we'd invite you to grab those and prayerfully consider what you are being invited to. And if you have questions or you have concerns, uh, bring those this week to your community group gathering where you guys can discuss it. Now perhaps even as I've tried to persuade you that church membership is biblical, necessary, and helpful, maybe you're still on the fence and you're like, I don't know, there's, just, there's a lot going on that you're thinking through. And I would encourage you, if If you're still on the fence, if you still don't agree, why not? What is it that's holding you back? Is there some past experience that you've had with another church or with authority or or even just in some other relationships that make you fearful or skeptical? I don't want to dismiss that or diminish it at all. But what I do want you to know that as a church, we are not, and we will not be perfect, including me, including our leaders, 
but we are a church family who seeks to love one another and to take our commitments to each other seriously. I hope that we can be, if, if you have some kind of abuse or some kind of brokenness or church hurt in your past, I hope we can be a safe space for you to heal from that past. Now, if you don't have questions or concerns as we go through those commitments, you're encouraged to commit, to, to sign that commitment. And, and then as well, one of our elders will sign it on behalf of our elders as a way of us making our commitments to you. And if you're not in a community group and you don't have a context for that conversation to happen or maybe you're just simply, you're thinking about these commitments and you want to just talk about it or ask some more questions, I'm available, our other elders are available. We'd love to talk to you at any time about any of those things. And some of you might be thinking, okay, 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 well, but what are these commitments, right? We're kind of dancing around it. What are we actually talking about so I can decide whether or not I want to make these sorts of commitments? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's a great question. How do we express our commitments with one another? And as a church, we've chosen to do that uh, through a covenant, and I would like to share that with you now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it through so that you can get a feel for it. I've never read this much stuff in a sermon before, so I just ask you to hang with me, uh, and, and hopefully we can dig into it deeply. But, but as I do, it, it might feel a bit overwhelming uh, as, I, as I read these things, because there's a lot here. But what I want you to think about in its simplest form, these are our commitments to God, to each other, to His church, and then to His mission. And the specifics for how that works itself out here at Trinity, uh, we've listed them here as an effort to summarize the most important aspects of how we pursue that ongoing uh, unity and health and growth as a community of Jesus followers. But we've also tried to summarize those hundred uh, one another verses that I to told you about earlier in the message. We tried to summarize kind of the, the heart of those here in this, uh, in this membership commitment. So I'm going to read it through. We're going to have it up there if you want to follow along. And I would encourage you just to be prayerful and just to be thinking. So we're just this is, this is our membership commitments. Here's what it says. As Christians, we are sons and daughters of God, brought into His family for His glory, for our good, and for the good of the world. In light of this, the church, uh, in light of this church membership entails a commitment to God, the other members in the local church, and God's purposes in the world. Committing to membership is a commitment to follow Jesus with each other. Though we're not perfect we will strive to continually grow in reflecting the heart of this covenant toward God and each other. Okay, here's the preamble then. Having been led by the Spirit of God to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and on the profession of our faith, so we're Christians, we've declared that we are Christians, and now having been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we joyfully enter into this covenant with the members of Trinity West Seattle as one body in Christ. By the grace of God, the power of His Spirit, and as acts of worship, we engage in the following commitments. So here it is. We devote ourselves to God, His church, and His mission by regularly participating in Sunday worship gatherings, 
regularly participating in a group with believers where we can follow Jesus together, regularly reading the Bible and spending devoted time in prayer, submitting to the final authority of the Scriptures and welcoming biblical instruction, submitting to one another and church leaders. We, we talked about that. Agreeing to the West Seattle, Trinity West Seattle Statement of Faith, regularly serving the church and the greater community outside of the church by exercising our spiritual gifts and abilities. There's that unity and diversity. Living fully devoted to God in holiness. Now, I want to pause here for a second. Holiness, another way of thinking about the word holiness, because it's kind of a foreign word to us, it's devotion. It's devotion. And we want to, we want to be people who live as those who are devoted to God. And, and it looks like living differently than the rest of the world. And so some of these things that that we're committing to here are going to be very much in contrast with the way that the world does things. And that might be jarring for you, but what I want you to take away from this is this is a way for us to live in devotion to God together. So living fully devoted to God in holiness, including interacting in the world with honesty and integrity, that might be in the ways that we relate to our neighbors or how we do business, these kinds of things. Practicing sexual fidelity within heterosexual marriage, sexual purity in singleness, and abstaining from indulgences harmful to our bodies, such as intoxication. Got to list that one off. That could include drunkenness or getting stoned or any other things that kind of uh, we, we end up uh, giving ourselves over to this thing that's controlling our body. But also gluttony, which is another big one in our culture, overeating. Giving of our finances regularly, cheerfully, and sacrificially. That's a part of what it means to worship God, as, as David, Pastor David shared with us early, earlier. And sacrificially to support the church's ministry. Confessing our sins to one another and praying for each other regularly. Being slow to offense and always seeking to reconcile relationships. We want to be a place of peace in God as we express that unity sharing the stories of God's work and the gospel with our family and, and friends. These are our solemn commitments to God and to the members of Trinity. So those, that's, there they are. Should I fall into sin and reject the Bible's command to repent, I recognize it in accordance with Jesus' teaching. By the way, that's Jesus' teaching in uh, the gospel of Matthew and chapter 18. Church discipline may involve suspension or removal of membership at Trinity with the hope and the goal always of restoration to God and His people. That's the purpose of church discipline. If a time comes that I leave Trinity and join another church, I will inform Trinity's elders and, when possible, give feedback and reasons for leaving. And so those are the commitments that members make. And then there's another slot here for the elders that we're making to the church. The elders of Trinity West Seattle commit to lead the body with love, to prayerfully seek God's will for our church community, to care for the body, and to seek its growth as disciples of Christ, providing teaching and counsel from the whole of Scripture, to be on guard against false teachers, to offer transparency and proactive communication regarding church business. That's what Pastor David alluded to earlier. We're going to give you, we have open books, for example, on our finances, but we want to be completely transparent as a church. Exercise church discipline when necessary, always, again, with the hope of restoration. That's its purpose. Ensure all elders and deacons meet the character and competency requirements assigned to them in the scriptures 
And also, we want to set an example by fulfilling the commitments of church memberships. Sorry, of church members. So we as elders are not above church membership, but we are a part of it. And so we want to set that example with you and to you. And our hope is that by you fulfilling these commitments, by us fulfilling these commitments, you will flourish and the church will flourish and you will help God's mission to flourish. You know, throughout Disciple Equip, we've sought to catalyze the heart of this passage in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm just going to read this quickly as I wrap up. And he himself, uh, I'm going to jump, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. This has been our heart with Disciple Equip. That is to build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature person attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. That's been the heart of Disciple Equip. Because you know what? Christ, he's fully mature. We're not. He's the head. We're the body. And as we unite together in him, we help the church then to grow up into him, to be like him so that when the world looks at us, it sees Jesus. That's our desire. Jesus brought us into his family, so we commit ourselves to him, to his mission, sorry, to his people and his mission. Let me pray, and we'll respond. God in heaven, we thank you so much that no matter what, we, we never have to doubt that you are committed to us. You've, you've just proclaimed that so clearly to us. Thank you, God, for these promises. And we cling to these promises, and we want to be people who then reflect your commitment. So help us, God, to do that here as a church family. Help us to do that together toward you, toward each other, and to the world. And God, I recognize and we recognize that all of us are coming from different places. Maybe we've never been a part of a church. Maybe we've had bad church experiences. Maybe it's all been awesome. Whatever the case, God, I pray that we as a church would faithfully reflect your commitment to us. And we pray that you would help and, and bring healing to those who've got past church hurts. Help us to be a, a productive part of your work in, in those people's lives. And we pray all of these things in your name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For more information about our services or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Thanks for listening.